Hello ladies and gentle dudes and welcome to the week four edition of the two minute drill podcast. This is a show where we talk about all 32 teams in the NFL. I'll cover each and every one of them for two minutes or less. I'm your host, Michael Homan. If you're new to the show, make sure you follow or leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. Also be aware that later in the week, I will upload another episode, this time bringing on some buddies. We call it the Limitless Edition because I take away that two-minute restriction and we just chat about the games in terms of the spreads, what we like, to see in fantasy for the week for every team this episode is going to be dedicated on my take on what happened during week three for every team what are some key injuries that have happened since i last spoke to y'all then i'll talk about week four and how every team might be able to win their upcoming matchup or at least put up a fighting shot then i'll go into a fantasy player that i recommend and my personal pick against the spread so i hope you are ready to dive in with me we got a lot of information to cover Without further ado, let's jump into the games. Starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars heading over to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. But first, let's jump into week three notes on the Jaguars. The Jaguars took on the Cardinals in week three and finally made their way into a red zone for the first time this season. Special teams had a big splash play again this week, and once again, it was Jamal Agnew. He tied the longest play in NFL history with a 109-yard kick-six score after he caught that field goal missed by Matt Prater. The Jags' defense was able to stall the highlight reel of an offense boasted by the Arizona Cardinals throughout the first half, only allowing a single touchdown, but the second half was a completely different story. Ultimately, they gave up over 400 yards to Kyler and company. James Robinson's touchdown was the team's first rushing touchdown of the season, and the rushing attack was the most effective we have seen out of the Jags thus far through three games. Trevor Lawrence threw two more interceptions in this one. He has thrown that many or more in every one of his first three starts. One of the picks today, however, was the momentum changer as it went for a pick six and they never saw the lead for the remainder of the game. Key injuries of note for the Jaguars. Roy Robertson-Harris, the defensive end, is questionable, as is Cam Robinson, the offensive tackle, and Andrew Norwell, the guard. Other news from the Jags, they traded away cornerback C.J. Henderson, who they drafted with the ninth overall pick just a year ago. They gave him over to the Panthers for Dan Arnold, their tight end. They also acquired a third-round draft pick, with Henderson going over with a fifth. In order to beat the Bengals in week four, Trevor Lawrence can't keep spotting the opposition extra possessions with all of these interceptions. They will need to get home on their pass rush. They didn't have any sacks in week three, and Burrow should be an easier target with a worse O-line, despite the fact that the Steelers couldn't get to him. James Robinson will need to build on the progress he made during week three as he has yet to have a 100-yard rushing game on the season. And personally, I think that it's fine to take James Robinson out of your fantasy doghouse. Moving on to the Bengals week three game breakdown. The start of the game didn't exactly look promising for the Bengals, who began offensively with a three and out and a Joe Burrow interception. However, their defense was handling the Steelers quite well, and ultimately Burrow was able to get Tyler Boyd a touchdown and actually got rookie Jamar Chase two of them. Mixon was able to do his thing on the ground and methodically chew up clock as the Bengals had the lead, taking a lot of pressure off of Burrow, who 
only needed to attempt 18 passes on the day, completing 14 of them. Defensively, the Bengals came to play, only giving up 10 points throughout the game, and the highlight of that unit would be Logan Wilson, who snagged two interceptions off of Big Ben. Almost more impressive than getting a win is the fact that the Bengals O-line came out of this game without letting Joe Burrow get sacked against the Steelers. Lots of guys injured or listed as questionable, including Trey Waynes, Darius Phillips, and Chidobi Awuzie. Xavier Suofilo, T. Higgins, Riley Reef, Marcus Bailey, and Jesse Bates. In order to beat the Jags during week four, the O-line needs to prove that that performance was not a fluke and continue to keep Burrow protected in the pocket. The secondary will need to be ready for the rookie mistakes that will be lofted by Lawrence, and on the flip side, Burrow will need to do his part to protect the football and help win the turnover battle. They will also need to eliminate special teams as a factor in this game as much as possible, as in kickoffs need to go as touchbacks and punts need to be fair caught because the Jags have been able to string together back-to-back games with a touchdown from special teams. Fantasy-wise, I don't believe I've highlighted Jamar Chase, but the rookie is pretty clearly demonstrating that the chemistry from college has carried over into the NFL with his quarterback Joe Burrow. Betting line-wise, I really would not bet this game, and this is an ugly number to swallow, but in my heart of hearts, I truly believe that Cincinnati minus 7.5 is the side. I just don't see Trevor Lawrence being able to keep up with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Moving on to the Titans, who take on the Jets in Week 4, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown. As the Titans took on the Colts, it originally looked like it would be a rather long day at the office for Tannehill, who was under duress early and lost his number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown before he even logged a reception. Players that you haven't heard much of stepped up in his absence, including the likes of Chester Rogers, Jeremy McNichols, and Nick Westbrook-Ekine, who all caught a touchdown pass and for Westbrook Ekine it was his first in his NFL career. Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry things getting 113 yards on 28 carries but what is great for Henry as a fantasy prospect is that he is getting targeted in the passing game as well catching three for 31. For a defense that consistently gets to go up against one of the best backs in football during practice they've looked vulnerable against the run. Fortunately for them the Colts tried to make Wentz win with his arm. Ultimately, the game could have been a lot higher scoring for the Titans as they lost the turnover battle by three and were still able to beat the Colts by nine. Injuries since last week, Rashad Weaver and Derek Robertson, both linebackers, were placed on IR. Julio Jones is still questionable, as is Caleb Farley, Anthony Ferkser, and now A.J. Brown. The keys for the Titans to beat the Jets in week four is the Titans offense runs through King Henry first and foremost, so I'm not going to pretend anything otherwise. I'm also not going to pretend that they are going up against some powerhouse in the Jets. Defensively, they just need to do as all other teams have done before them, which is sack Zach Wilson and force him into poor decisions, then capitalize on those mistakes. Ultimately, as long as they don't completely look past them and simply give them the respect they deserve for just the fact that they are an NFL team, the Titans should roll in Week 4. Fantasy-wise, any team that is going up against the Jets needs to have their defense starting in someone's lineup. If the Titans are on the waiver wire, go pick them up and start them. Moving on to the Jets' Week 3 game breakdown. If you had any doubts that we were dealing with the same old Jets heading into Week 3, you should now have a pretty resounding answer. The first half, they did nothing but punt. In the second half, they mixed it up with some turnover on downs and some interceptions in route to their goose egg. Zach Wilson got sacked an additional five times going against the Broncos, bringing his total to a whopping 15 through just 
three NFL starts. Michael Carter went nowhere, only getting nine attempts on the day and not doing much with them. Defensively, the best thing I can say is that at least they forced them to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns four times and even caused a fumble. But they did let through two rushing touchdowns and ultimately gave up a total of 26 points in the one-sided affair. Key injuries of note, Jamison Crowder and Elijah Moore are both listed as questionable for the receivers. So is Tyler Croft, the tight end. And then running back wise, Tevin Coleman is also questionable. Getting creative and thinking of ways on how the Jets might possibly win or at least keep things close. Well, it's impossible to win without scoring, so they will need to get things moving offensively, and it wouldn't hurt to get a splash play from defense or special teams. The main priority in stopping the Titans is stopping Derrick Henry, which of course is easier said than done. However, they also cannot overlook Ryan Tannehill, who has some wheels in his own right, so it is key to keep him in the pocket and force him to beat you with anyone else besides his stars. Fantasy-wise, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Corey Davis is the only Jet that can sniff a starting roster in fantasy. For now, I'd just leave it at that. The betting line on this one is Tennessee favored by 8 points, and I would take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. In our next matchup, we have Kansas City traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs honestly looked like the success of the franchise had finally gone to their heads, and they were playing loose with the football during a key divisional game where they needed to be locked in, turning the ball over in their first three drives. Defensively, they hadn't been able to stop a nosebleed this year once teams got into the red zone, and this week was much of the same, letting the Chargers jump out to an early 14-0 lead. Mahomes tried to do Mahomes things, but it's clear that when he goes for style points and the plays don't go his way, it looks reckless and bad. Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Alaire both got it going today, accumulating 100-plus yards each, but it was another disappointing game from Hill who was held to just 56 yards, and his biggest impact on the game was a fumble. In the end, they were not able to just flip a switch and come back in this one, and now Mahomes is stuck with a losing record for the first time in his NFL career. Injuries of note moving forward for the Chiefs include Chavarius Ward and Rashad Fenton, both corners, who are questionable, as is Frank Clark, the defensive end. Moving on to Week 4 to beat the Eagles, the Chiefs are going to need renewed focus coming into this game. If this 1-2 and two start of the season has taught them anything, it must be that they shouldn't be able to just go through the motions and end up with a win. The red zone defense needs to come to life. The bend-don't-break approach doesn't work if you constantly break. Containing Hurts to the pocket and forcing him to win with his arm is going to go a long way, and special players need to make special plays. Two guys that were quiet for their high standards were Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew. Their big playability set a winning tone on both sides of the ball, and they need to show up. Fantasy-wise, Andy Reid is going to be highly motivated to torch the Eagles, and the best way to do that will be scheming Tyreek Hill open, so expect him to have a big bounce-back game. <laughs> Moving on to the Eagles' Week 3 game breakdown. On Monday Night Football, Jalen Hurts was definitely struggling offensively because he was constantly abandoning the pocket and underthrowing his receivers while facing the Dallas Cowboys, even leading to some interceptions. Luckily, his defense bailed him out by Fletcher Cox, catching a ball that was knocked out of Dak's hands in his own end zone for an Eagles defensive touchdown to tie things up. Unfortunately, the Eagles looked completely outmatched, and the Cowboys got stop after stop defensively, and the Cowboys' offense was moving the ball at will against the Eagles' defense. The Eagles, down and out, completely abandoned the run game early. In fact, the running backs only had three attempts all night. 
And besides for that defensive touchdown, I can't give much credit to a unit that gave up five touchdowns while getting beat by 20 in a division rivalry game. Lots of injuries here. We have Jack Driscoll, Kayvon Wallace, and Isaac Suomalo all moving to IR. And we have Davian Taylor, Jordan Melata, Rodney McLeod, and Fletcher Cox all listed as questionable. In order to beat the Chiefs in Week 4, they are going to need to get home on their pass rush. And the last thing Mahomes needs is time in the pocket if you're the Eagles. The O-line needs to give Hurts time in the pocket, and Hurts needs to sit in that pocket and deliver strikes. Not every play needs to roll out of the pocket. Miles Sanders needs to get involved, keep drives alive, and keep the ball with the Eagles, and keep the pressure off of Hurts. Fantasy-wise, I'd like to see Dallas Goddard have a good game. I think they will be throwing a lot to stay alive, and he is a solid red zone target. As far as the betting line goes, I've been red hot picking against the Chiefs to cover the spread, so I'm going to keep that up. I'll take Philly here, plus seven. In the next matchup, we have the Cleveland Browns traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. But first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Browns. The Browns outclass the Bears in every way, shape, and form, only allowing for a net of 47 yards throughout the entirety of the game, and outgaining the Bears by over 300 yards. Defensively, they absolutely poured it on, sacking fields nine times and racking up another eight tackles for loss. Miles Garrett deserves the highlight within that unit because he accounted for half of all those sacks and half of all those tackles for loss. Offensively, the rushing attack was great as usual, but Kareem Hunt was particularly electric in this one with 155 all-purpose yards and a score. It was also great to see the OBJ-Baker-Mayfield connection reignited. Coming off an ACL injury, Odell Beckham Jr. made some absolutely fantastic catches throughout the 26-6 domination of the Bears. Injuries of note moving forward, Sion Takitaki the linebacker, Chris Hubbard the offensive tackle, and Greg Newsom the cornerback are all listed as questionable. As far as how the Browns are going to beat the Vikings in Week 4, they need to be able to stop the run, a much easier task if Dalvin Cook is unable to go during Week 4. Kirk Cousin is unanimously considered average within NFL circles, but his pass-catching options are just about as good as they come, so putting Cousins under pressure a ton will limit their ability to work themselves open. Then they got to play sound fundamentals. That's going to be important since the Vikings are notorious for beating themselves. And that being said, they are also known for putting up points, which means Baker Mayfield needs to wake up feeling dangerous and ready for a potential shootout. Fantasy-wise, I'll just go ahead and highlight Austin Hooper. He is a touchdown-dependent tight end, just like most in the league. But as long as Landry is out, he should be a fine streaming option since Mayfield's red zone targets need to go somewhere, and he is probably the most dependable besides OBJ and the running backs. Moving on to the Vikings week three game breakdown in week three against the Seahawks. It took a little while for the Vikings to wake up defensively. Patrick Peterson initially looked old busted, getting torched by DK Metcalf repeatedly on the opening drive. And soon after, the D made Chris Carson look elite. Luckily, the Vikings offense was well balanced and was able to claw back the lead before half. After halftime, the Vikings shut down the Seahawks and Kirk was able to muster several more field goal drives. Madison was great stepping up for the injured Dalvin Cook, toting the ball for 112 yards on the ground, and Cousins was extremely efficient through the air, completing 30 of 38 for three touchdowns and no interceptions. Injury-wise, we have Bissy Johnson, Harrison Hand, Dalvin Cook, Christian Derrissaw, Anthony Barr, and Amir Smith-Marset, all listed as questionable. Now to beat the Browns in Week 4, they will need to keep pace with the Browns' rushing attack, either by being equally as productive or being very stingy on defense. In addition, they will need to take away OBJ as the security blanket for Baker. And lastly, Kirk needs to let it rip and predominantly feature Jefferson and Thielen. 
Fantasy-wise, Alexander Madison needs to be played if Dalvin Cook continues to sit out due to injury. Betting-wise, I think both teams are capable of putting up points, and I'm just going to go ahead and take the home dog here. Minnesota's getting spotted 2.5, so I'll go ahead and take them in this one. In the next matchup, we have the Houston Texans taking on the Buffalo Bills, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Texans. The Texans took on the Panthers in what was surprisingly one of the most watched Thursday night football games in several years. Just goes to show how desperate we all are for football. It was a slow rolling affair for both teams with the score just 6-7 at the half. Davis Mills was quarterbacking for the Houston Texans and the third round rookie ended up completing 19 for 28 for 168 yards and a touchdown. Almost all of those yards going to Brandon Cooks and a touchdown going to Anthony Miller. The running back trio in Houston only rushed for a total of 37 yards combined on a total of 15 attempts amongst the three of them. Ultimately, the defense didn't look terrible, keeping the game close despite a lackluster offense, but they were outmatched in the end, and it's what you would expect from a Texans team quarterbacked by a rookie. As far as injuries go, we have Kaimi Fairbairn and A.J. Moore Jr. listed on IR, Danny Amendola listed as doubtful, and then some questionable guys include... Kamu Gruyere-Hill, Justin Reed, and Terrence Mitchell. As far as Week 4 is concerned, I'm not going to pretend that the Texans have much of a shot against the Bills in this spot. Let's just say if they have any hope to cover the spread, then the running game needs to show up because the longer they can hold onto the ball, the less time the Bills will have to run up the score. Defensively, they will need to create turnovers. Last week, they didn't have any. Brandon Cooks can't come out of the game scoreless. He is their only difference maker, and if he isn't finding the end zone, it's rather unrealistic to expect anyone else to. Fantasy-wise, we got Brandon Cooks. End of list. <laughs> Moving on to the Bills. Week 3 game breakdown. The Bills took on the Washington football team in Week 3 and looked absolutely heroic in the process. The defense was causing turnovers left, right, and center, and the offense was firing on all cylinders, and there was no shortage of action in this one. Josh Allen is passing all sorts of franchise records for the Bills with the numbers that he's been putting up, and ultimately, it has to be said that they are looking like the class of the AFC now that their offense is clicking after a bumpy week one. Defensively, they need to not get beat on big plays. They got embarrassed by Gibson on a 73-yard reception, but all of that was just yards after the catch, thanks to some missed tackles and poor coverage. In this win, Josh Allen was electric and ultimately proved that he could sustain three wide receivers for fantasy relevance, and the running back room is starting to look more like I originally anticipated to start the year, whereas Zach Moss has worked his way into the more influential back role. Injury-wise, we just have Jordan Poyer, the safety, listed as questionable. And to beat the Texans in Week 4, they just can't look past them. And as long as they do that, they should be just fine. Josh Allen needs to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers and be okay with handing the ball off once he has a solid lead and chew the clock. And defensively, this game will just be teed up for them to make big turnovers as they just need to keep things in front of them and contain Brandon Cooks. As far as the Bills' offensive guys go, this is just going to be another explosive game for all of them in fantasy, and I can ultimately see five guys on this offense that you could start, so I'll mix it up and tell you that you should throw in the Bills' defense in this matchup. As far as the betting line goes, Buffalo is favored by 16 in this one, and personally, I don't care if it was favored by 30, I'd probably still take the Bills. In the next matchup, we have the Colts taking on the Dolphins, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Colts. The Colts never led against the Titans, and it showed in their game script. Despite the Titans actually playing poorly while defending the run, the Colts consistently rolled out Carson Wentz and let him try to win it with his arm. Taylor and Hines had a respectable 6.4 and 4.2 average yards per carry, but unfortunately only had 16 attempts combined. 
The Colts' defense did as much as could be expected of them, causing two interceptions and recovering a fumble, but Wentz and company were only able to turn the three turnovers into 10 points. In terms of stopping the run, Derrick Henry simply has their number, because since 2018, the Colts have only given up 100-yard rushers four times, and all four are Derrick Henry. This loss against the Titans puts a bleak cloud over this franchise, because it does not look like Wentz's career will be resurrected by Frank Reich, and the Colts are now 0-3, and Wentz is now 0-7 in his last seven starts. Injury-wise, we have Quiddy Pay, Quinn and Nelson, Rocky Asin, T.Y. Hilton, Kari Willis, and Braden Smith all listed as questionable. As far as beating the Dolphins in Week 4, the Colts will need to put more faith in the backfield and take pressure off of Wentz. They will need to focus on pass defense as well because teams have racked up two or more touchdowns through the air on the Colts in the last seven straight games. Pass rushing needs to stay consistent. They came out hot in Week 3, but chilled immediately. And lastly, they need to keep winning the turnover battle because eventually the offense will start cashing. I will highlight Naeem Hines for fantasy. He is getting close to half of the carries in the Colts backfield and is clearly utilized as the pass catching back over Jonathan Taylor. Turning my attention to the Dolphins week three game breakdown, the Dolphins came out hot against the Raiders thanks to the defense. They opened up the scoring by picking off Derek Carr and taking it back to the house. Immediately, they got another stop as the Raiders went for it on fourth down and couldn't convert, setting up the Dolphins with amazing field position and led to another quick score. After the Dolphins let the Raiders get on the board with a safety, the defense started getting bested by the Raiders as well as the Raiders went on a 25-point swing. In the last seconds of the fourth quarter, Jacoby Brissett was able to sneak into the end zone and complete a pass to Will Furler for the two-point conversion and send the game to overtime. Miami was able to convert 4th and 20 to keep the game alive in OT and eventually match the Raiders' field goal, but ultimately the Raiders were able to drive the ball back down the field and tack on a second field goal in overtime to ice the game. There are no new injuries from last week, but again, of course, key one is that Tua is out on IR. And as far as Week 4 is concerned, if the Dolphins are going to beat the Colts, then Jacoby will need to have a great revenge game from start to finish, not just pick his spots. Jalen Waddell is going to need to do more with his targets. Getting 12 receptions but only 58 yards is unacceptable. And defensively, they need to keep the run game in check and force Wentz to beat them with his arm and hopefully put him in situations where he'll make costly mistakes. Fantasy-wise, I'll tip the cap to Mike Gusecki because he is getting targeted so heavily and I think it will stay that way with Jacoby at the helm. Betting-wise, Miami is favored at 2. They're at home. They've looked better than the Colts ever have, so I'm just going to go ahead and pick Miami. The next matchup to cover is the Panthers going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Panthers. The Panthers took on the Texans during Thursday Night Football, and given the level of competition, there isn't a ton that I want to extrapolate from this game. The biggest storyline for this game, besides the Panthers improving to 3-0, is probably the chunk the Texans took out of the Panthers via injuries. CMC had to leave the game and reports that he will not be placed on IR, but I'd certainly expect him to miss at least a week or two. Chuba Hubbard will be taking his place in the meantime. DJ Moore was also injured during this one as well, limping off the field in the fourth quarter. He had 126 yards in this game, and the Panthers truly can't afford to go without their number one running back and number one wide receiver. So hopefully the fact that he returned for a few snaps is promising. Defensively, they were not world beaters in this win, but they really didn't need to be. However, getting three sacks in this one brings their total to 14 through just three games, which is pretty impressive. 
Injury-wise, CMC is out, like I mentioned before. DJ Moore, probably good to go. JC Horn, he was placed on injured reserve. The newly acquired CJ Henderson is questionable. Yatur Gross Matos is doubtful. And Justin Burris was also placed on IR. The keys to winning in week four to beat the Cowboys, especially without Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore is going to need to have a strong connection with Sam Darnold and rack up points. Chuba Hubbard is going to need to fill the big shoes left behind by CMC. And Carolina's defense is going to need to do their best to keep this one a low-scoring affair because they almost always lose if they give up more than 21 points. Lastly, Sam Darnold is also going to be a bit more than just a game manager in this one because I don't envision a scenario where the Panthers walk out with another win where Darnold isn't throwing touchdowns. Fantasy-wise, you gotta highlight Chuba Hubbard. Go pick him up off the waiver wire, especially if you're the CMC manager, and start him. Moving on to the Cowboys' Week 3 game breakdown. Zeke impressed early and capped off the opening drive with a touchdown, and the defense tagged along to kick things off with a splash play interception. Unfortunately, when Dak took over at the 1, the play call was slow to develop, and he ended up getting the ball knocked out of his hands, landing in Fletcher Cox's hands for an Eagles defensive touchdown to tie things up. From that point on, though, it was all Cowboys all the time as they cut off the Eagles at every turn and moved the ball up and down the field at will offensively. Diggs was the shining star defensively as he led the team in passes defended and had an incredible 59-yard return on his pick six. Offensively, it was a clinic between Zeke's 95 rushing yards and two touchdowns, Dalton Schultz 80 receiving yards and two touchdowns, and not even needing to rely heavily on their star receivers in the 41-21 route of the Eagles. It felt like a big statement win to solidify who's on top in the NFC East. Some injuries to look out for are Carlos Watkins, Donovan Wilson, Ty Niseki, and Dorrance Armstrong. Looking ahead to Week 4, beating the 3-0 Panthers will depend heavily on stopping the run, whether that's CMC or more likely Chuba Hubbard. Once Dallas makes it about quarterback play, they should have a clear upper hand. And to ensure that, look for the defense, specifically Trayvon Diggs, to continue his great streak of having an interception in every single game so far this season. Fantasy-wise, I've highlighted several streaming tight ends in this episode, but Dalton Schultz has definitely thrown his name into the ring as a credible streamer. Betting-wise, I think that the Panthers' undefeated season comes to an end, and I think that Dallas can pull off a big win, so I will take them even though I have to swallow four and a half points. In the next matchup, we'll see the Giants taking on the Saints, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Giants. The Giants took a few drives down the field well against the Falcons, but all the early efforts on the 78-yard and 83-yard drives only amounted to a pair of field goals. The Giants' defense held tough early, forcing four punts before eventually Matt Ryan found his rhythm and found the end zone. During the two-minute drill before the half, Evan Ingram fumbled the ball over to the Falcons, but then the rookie linebacker Ujulari forced a sack fumble to make up for it. Saquon found the end zone for the first time since 2019, but it proved not to be enough as Matt Ryan orchestrated back-to-back -back scoring drives to tie and then take the lead with a walk-off field goal. This loss sends the Giants to 0-3 and, and sends a message to the front office that whatever rebuild that has supposedly been in the works for the past several years hasn't proven to be successful. Injuries of note, Cam Brown was placed on IR, Blake Martinez is out, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Nate Ebner, and Ben Brenson are all questionable. Looking at week four, in order to squeak out a win against the Saints, the Giants are going to need to force the Saints into inconsistency. That means more than anything else that the Giants need to win the turnover battle, a task historically tough for Daniel Jones. The Giants will also need to ball control the game by getting Saquon rolling. He has been back for three games now, and the Giants need him to be special. 
They will also need to limit the effectiveness of Alvin Kamara on the opposite side, who is fully capable of making this another long game for the Giants. Fantasy-wise, Evan Ingram will probably remain relevant as a streamer until Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton recover because their targets need to go somewhere. Moving on to the Saints Week 3 game breakdown, New Orleans had to head up to New England for Week 3, a venue they haven't won in since 1995. This time they had the benefit of facing a rookie quarterback and it showed as they managed to haul in three interceptions off of Mac Jones, one of which was a pick six for Malcolm Jenkins on the very first play of the second half. The Taysom Hill running plays finally paid off as he was able to move the ball relatively effectively and even scored. And Alvin Kamara finally showed life on the ground, doubling his output he's had on the season that he had coming into this game. Winston looked clunky going for 13 of 21 for only 128 yards and two touchdowns, but it was enough to pull off the upset on the road. Injury-wise, note that Michael Thomas, of course, is still out. Teron Armstead is doubtful and Eric McCoy is questionable. Now, in order to beat the Giants in Week 4, Winston is going to need to tighten things up because one of the touchdowns he threw could have just as easily been an interception, and 128 yards passing in a game usually isn't going to cut it. Defensively, they are going to need to continue to be special, hopefully creating turnovers that lead to short fields and points. Kamara is also due for a 100-plus yard rushing game, and I think that the Giants are vulnerable enough to give it up. For that reason, I'll highlight Kamara again because realistically, fantasy-wise, he's the only Saint that I'd start with any confidence. As far as the spread is concerned, I flip-flopped my pick several times already on this one. Ultimately, the Saints are just too inconsistent for this big of a number, so I have to reluctantly take the Giants plus 8. The next matchup that we'll look at is the Lions going to the Bears for a divisional matchup, but first, the Week 3 game breakdown for the Lions. The Lions took on the Ravens in their Week 3 matchup, and it was a slow-rolling defensive-style matchup to start things off. The Lions weren't able to do anything more than punt throughout the entire first half, and defensively, they managed to keep it close, only allowing the Ravens to go up by 10. The second half was much more effective for the Lions, with steady drives that allowed them to claw their way back into the thick of it. Then defensively, they had their first big break and picked off Lamar Jackson with about 5 minutes remaining, and they used 4 of those minutes to get a field goal and the lead. One minute was apparently too long to give Lamar Jackson, however, as he was able to get Justin Tucker in position to hit a 66-yard field goal, which bounced on the crossbar and went through, Lions losing due to the longest field goal in NFL history. Injuries of note, Deshaun Hand and Kevin Strong both got bumped to IR, and Trey Flowers is listed as questionable. Looking ahead to Week 4 to beat the Bears, the Lions are going to need to put together a full game of football. They can't just keep showing up for one half and expect to win. Jared Goff needs to get his receivers involved more, specifically finding them in the end zone. Williams and Swift need to keep doing their thing, but perhaps with a bit more efficiency. Defensively, the Lions will need to force Fields into as many mistakes as possible, or at least be sure to rack up sacks on him since that clearly made him uncomfortable last week. Fantasy-wise, Week 3 was a quiet week for TJ Hawkinson, and I expect him to have a bounce-back week against the Bears. Moving on to the Bears Week 3 game breakdown, Justin Fields had his first career start against the Browns thanks to Andy Dalton's injury, which was clearly a tough spot for him because he only threw for 68 yards, the worst career start for a quarterback since Nathan Peterman in 2017. Thanks to sacks and tackles for losses, 68 yards is actually an overstatement because the passing game actually only had a net of one yard. Fields needs to recognize that the answer isn't always to roll out of the pocket. Many of the sacks he took could be placed on his own shoulders, just thinking he could outrun everybody. 
Matt Nagy can also help out his quarterback by calling plays that are more suited to his play style. The offensive line wasn't able to hold off the pass rush for very long, but Fields was holding on to the ball forever, waiting for plays to develop. Defensively, they were led by Khalil Mack and his two sacks, and they were able to keep this game a lot closer than it could have been, but they looked quite vulnerable against the run. Injury-wise, Joel Aegibaniwe, Tayshawn Gibson, and Eddie Goldman are all listed as questionable. And apparently Justin Fields hurt his hand, but that seems more of a distraction than anything so that Matt Nagy can try and trick people into thinking he's going to actually start Nick Foles. As far as how the Bears could beat the Lions in Week 4, David Montgomery will need to get the offense rolling against the Lions to take the pressure off of Justin Fields. Matt Nagy is going to realize that if that rookie is starting, he needs to scheme accordingly. And defensively, they are going to need to fight fire with fire. The Lions are being coached into a pretty physical culture despite what their record indicates, and the Bears will need to come prepared. They haven't earned or proven anything, so to think that they are walking in as favorites will spell disaster if they think that they can just look past this divisional opponent. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and highlight the Bears' defense. They were able to get several sacks against the Browns' solid O-line, and they have a solid matchup here with the Lions. But betting-wise, I'm going to take the Lions plus 2.5 since I'm getting the points, and I really just don't see how the Bears have earned the right to be a favorite going into any game. So, Lions plus 2.5. The next matchup we'll look at is the Washington football team taking on the Falcons, but first, the Washington football team's Week 3 game breakdown. In order to hang around with the Bills, Taylor Heineke was needing to get some big help from his playmakers, and that's exactly what happened when Gibson took a little dump-off pass for 73 yards to the house. Heineke also rolled out for a nice little rushing touchdown, but he really didn't have much go his way outside of that until garbage time. Washington's defense got absolutely cooked by Josh Allen, who threw for 358 yards and four touchdowns, plus had a rushing touchdown to boot. If you allow eight scoring drives during a single game, I really don't care how good the opposing offense is, your defense needs work. The commentators were saying how frustrated the pass rushers were by the end of the game, and they should have been. They didn't sack Josh Allen a single time, and for such a vaunted defense, that's just unacceptable. Injury-wise, I only see Matt Ioannidis listed as questionable. And the keys to beat the Falcons in Week 4 is they're going to need to have their defensive line live up to their potential. Heineke also needs to be able to hit big plays to Terry McLaurin. Gibson will need to be more productive on his specifically his rush attempts. And J.D. McKissick needs to help as a one-two punch. And if a play breaks down, Heineke can outduel Matt Ryan by keeping plays and drives alive with his legs. Fantasy-wise on this one, I think I need to go to Logan Thomas. His performance was outshined by some of the mistakes in the final score, but he looks like he is clearly the number two receiver, and that's about as good as you can ask for in the tight end position as long as Curtis Samuel is out. Moving on to the Falcons' Week 3 game breakdown. The Falcons came out slow offensively against the Giants, needing to punt on their first four drives. Matt Ryan was able to get things moving once given good enough field position and was able to make a short drive culminate in a touchdown before half. Defensively, they were able to hold the Giants out of the end zone until near the end of the third quarter, but that nearly wasn't good enough considering how anemic the offense has been playing. Matt Ryan was able to pull it together at the end with back-to-back -back scoring drives, ending the game with a walk-off field goal, the 39th game-winning drive of his career. This win snaps a seven-game losing streak dating back to last year, but ultimately didn't do much in the way of proving anything besides maybe they aren't the worst team in the NFL. 
Injury-wise, AJ Terrell, Russell Gage, Frank Darby, and Marlon Davidson are all listed as questionable. And moving on to week four, the game next week against the Washington football team is going to be more of the same, as in defensively, keep scoring to a minimum and eke out with enough points on the other side. This one will be a bit more difficult for the Falcons, however, as there is an added element of containing a mobile quarterback that the league really hasn't seen a ton of tape on. However, if stars like Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts can live up to their calling cards, the Falcons could be in good shape. Fantasy-wise, last week I mentioned stashing Cordero Patterson, but honestly, he might be a coin flip decision from being worth starting over Mike Davis, since he has been having an expansive impact specifically in the passing game. Betting-wise, this is a tough one to bet, but I will just go ahead and throw my hat in the ring for the Washington football team, favored by a point and a half. In the next matchup, we have the Seattle Seahawks taking on the San Francisco 49ers, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Seahawks. To kick things off against the Vikings, Russ came out cooking specifically with DK Metcalf, who roasted Patrick Peterson on multiple occasions on the opening drive. He went on to string together three straight scoring drives, and it is hard to picture how the offense imploded so badly from that point on. After the high-flying offense was so special at the beginning, the Vikings must have snuck around and clipped the wings of the Seahawks. After kicker Jason Myers missed a field goal, breaking a streak of 37 straight makes, the Vikings were able to score a third touchdown and claim the lead they would never relinquish. Ball control ended up being the theme of the second half, with the Seahawks never able to sustain a drive longer than five plays. Meanwhile, the Vikings held onto the ball for over 22 minutes to Seattle 7 slowly building the lead to the final score of 30-17. Injuries to look out for for the Seahawks moving forward. Brendan Shell, Rashad Penny, Benson Mayoa, D. Eskridge, Kerry Hyder Jr., and Marquise Blair are all listed as questionable. As far as Week 4 is concerned, to beat the 49ers, the defense of the Seahawks needs to step up. Pete Carroll wants this to be a defense-heavy run for his team, but it hasn't functioned that way thus far. Russell Wilson needs to demonstrate how much better of a quarterback he is in comparison to Jimmy G., Chris Carson needs to remain consistent on the ground, and defensively they need to recognize that if Trey Lance comes in for some trick plays, they need to know that he is only there to distract or to run. If it was truly going to be a pass play, Jimmy G likely wouldn't have gotten pulled. Fantasy-wise, I think I'm just going to highlight Russell Wilson. He had a down week, and the 49ers would be assumed to be a tough matchup, but Russ honestly should not be benched in favor of a random streamer. Moving on to the San Francisco 49ers Week 3 game breakdown. Early on Sunday night football between the 49ers and the Packers, it appeared that the Packers had their number from the jump. After falling into a 17-0 hold, the 49ers needed a spark from special teams to flip the field on a great kick return, and that eventually led to Trey Lance coming into the game on the last play before half to take a QB draw over to the left for a touchdown. That was a momentum shifter because the 49ers got the ball back to start the second half and marched it right down the field, ending up with Brandon Ayuk getting his first touchdown of the season. Trey Sermon also got his first touchdown in this comeback effort, but the offense wasn't without its flaws in the second half as Jimmy G threw a ball backwards, which is ruled a fumble, giving the ball back to Green Bay, who tacked on another field goal. Late in the game, Jimmy G was able to orchestrate an 8-play, 75-yard drive, culminating in a touchdown by Kyle Juszczyk to take the lead, giving just 37 seconds left on the clock to the Packers, but that was enough for Aaron Rodgers to set up Mason Crosby for the game winner. Injury-wise, Kevin Givens and Jamichael Hasty were both placed on IR. Questionable players include Josh Norman, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, and Kawan Williams. 
Moving on to next week, beating the Seahawks in week four will take a lot of patience by the secondary, not biting on fakes inside so they don't get beat over the top. The defense will also need to meet Chris Carson at the line of scrimmage so they force drives to end quickly if Russ can't convert on third and longs. Offensively, they just need to come out of the gates faster. Playing catch-up the entire game is a rough way to try and get wins. Fantasy-wise, it might officially be time to consider Brandon Ayuk out of the doghouse. And betting-wise, I view these teams pretty equally, honestly, and Seahawks are getting spotted a field goal, so I'm going to take Seattle plus three. The next matchup we'll jump into is Cardinals versus the Rams in week four, but first a week three game breakdown for the Cardinals. The Cardinals were the first out of the gates against the Jags, getting an early 7-0 lead, but their offense stalled through the remainder of the first half. Coaching decisions once again have become a factor for the Cards as Cliff Kingsbury decided to have Matt Prater attempt a 68-yard field goal before the half, and it was way short, and Jacksonville ended up running it back 109 yards for a touchdown and the lead going into halftime. Kyler in this game once again made a pretty bad interception throwing into double coverage. Uh, speaking of interceptions, Byron Murphy actually caught two of them, and the second was a pick six that ended up giving the Cardinals back the lead. So once the Cardinals finally got rolling, got that dam to break, they ended up with over 400 yards and over 30 points for the third straight game and improved to 3-0. and Injury-wise, Joshua Miles got placed on IR, Charles Washington, Justin Pugh, Justin Murray, and Kevin Beckham are all questionable. As far as facing the Rams in Week 4, the Cardinals cannot afford to come out with a low-scoring first half. They need to score early and often. Kyler needs to not only escape the pass rush, but more importantly, he cannot give the Rams any extra possessions by throwing interceptions. And he needs to be completely on point when it comes to converting on third down. Defensively, they need to stop Cooper Cup at all costs. Stafford clearly has a connection with him, and the Cardinals can't let him have his number one option. Realistically, defensively in general, they need to be beyond special. The Rams are considered to be one of the best teams in football, and the Cardinals just so happen to be stuck in the same division. And coming up with a win would be enormous. To do that, they will likely need extra possessions or some sort of spark from defense. Fantasy-wise, James Conner in Week 3 split carries for the game with Chase Edmonds and got the goal line work. Throwing him into your lineup might be premature and a bit of point chasing, but I never would have even considered that until his performance this week. Moving on to the Rams Week 3 game breakdown, the Rams took on the Super Bowl champion Bucks in SoFi and looked like the better team from cover to cover. Matthew Stafford rose to the occasion because it felt like it was a lot on the line on this one to prove that he was worth the blockbuster trade. He ended up completing 27 of 38 for 343 yards and four touchdowns. Touchdowns coming by way of Tyler Higby, Cooper Cup twice, and Deshaun Jackson. Jackson's was a 75-yard bomb, and he is now tied for the most 75-plus-yard touchdowns in NFL history with nine. Defensively, it was just good work from start to finish. Nothing too splashy, but did sack Brady three times while handing him the L. Injuries to note, Justin Hollins is out and Daryl Henderson is still listed as questionable. Looking ahead to Week 4 to beat the Cardinals, they need to play similarly to how they beat the Bucks. Control the game by getting up early, no turnovers, few penalties, and play sound defense. The main focus defensively will be containing Kyler, and probably take away his number one option in DeAndre Hopkins. Fantasy-wise, Cooper Cup has to be the guy after having only three touchdowns all of last year, Cup is clearly who Stafford wants to funnel touchdowns to. 
The betting line is Rams minus four and a half. And unfortunately, as a Cardinals fan, I have to take the Rams minus four and a half in this one. I just don't see these two 3-0 teams as equals. I think the Rams are clearly the better team right now. And I think that's going to reflect on the scoreboard. The next matchup we'll look at is the Steelers taking on the Packers. But first, a week three game breakdown for the Steelers. The Steelers' offense looked downright pathetic early unless you want to try and convince me that the Bengals' defense are some kind of world beaters. In their first four drives, they were only able to amass 25 yards, and Big Ben threw an interception. Someone needs to tell Ben that he is not a mobile quarterback, because sometimes he would actually attempt to roll out of the pocket, and it just looked sad, and nothing good ever came from it. The one bright spot to highlight offensively is that the tight end Fryermuth caught his first touchdown in the NFL, the only one for the Steelers all game. The Steelers' O-line is not holding up well. Big Ben is certainly not used to getting sacked this consistently, and Najee Harris is struggling to find holes, averaging just 2.9 yards a carry in this one. Defensively, it was not the Steelers' best outing either. They got an interception early, but other than that, it was a very quiet night for the unit, and they couldn't even sack Burrow, hiding behind that notoriously bad O-line, thus breaking the 75-game streak with at least one sack. For the Steelers defense. Injuries looking ahead, Chuck Wuma, Orokafor, Kendrick Green, Juju Smith-Schuster, Carlos Davis, Alex Highsmith, Deontay Johnson, and TJ Watt are all listed as questionable. Now how did the Steelers beat the Packers in week four? Well the Steelers O-line is going to need to step up because Najee needs to be the juice on this offense and simply hasn't been able to get going. Roethlisberger needs to attempt way, way, way fewer throws. I can't fathom Ben winning shootouts anymore. The defense needs to be elite because their offense simply is not. And if the Steelers can get a lead early, it's going to favor their game script immensely. And it could throw Rodgers and company off their rhythm. And I'm feeling rather tongue-in-cheeky here, so I'll ironically throw out Big Ben as a streaming option this week because Green Bay notoriously gives up a lot of passing yards, and I don't have faith in the Steelers to stick with the run. Moving on to the Packers week three game breakdown, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Sunday night football looked like they wanted to waltz into the 49ers stadium and put the NFL on notice that they can hang with what is widely considered the best division in football. They did so in quite impressive fashion, running up the score 17-0 before the 49ers finally started to rebuttal. Defensively, the unit was impressive and even seemed to out-physical the 49ers despite missing some key players forcing just enough mistakes to win the turnover battle, which proved to be critical. Devontae Adams had a really impressive night in the win, racking up 12 receptions for 132 yards and a touchdown. But even more impressive was Aaron Rodgers, who only needed 37 seconds to put Mason Crosby in position to hit the game winner, which was good because the better team truly won. Injuries of note, Dominic Daphne was placed on IR. Chris Barnes, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Tyler Lancaster, Kevin King, and Elgton Jenkins were all listed as questionable. As far as Week 4 and beating the Steelers go, the Packers need to shut down Najee Harris so Big Ben is forced to try and win it with his arm. Then the defense needs to capitalize when Roethlisberger gives them the opportunity to pick him off a time or two. And offensively, they just need to focus on protecting Rodgers in the pocket, and if he has that time, he should be able to guide them effectively to victory. Fantasy-wise, I'd expect to have Aaron Rodgers thrive in this one, so if you haven't already shaken off that Week 1 performance, I'd do it because he should be in your starting lineup. The over-under is only 46 on this one, and I think it's going to be a good game. I'd bet the over, and the betting line is Green Bay favored by a touchdown, and I'll go ahead and take him in this spot. I feel confident in that. 
The next game to address will be the Ravens going to the Broncos, but first, a Week 3 game breakdown for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens took on the Lions in Week 3, but it was the defense who shined initially, pitching a shutout through the first half. Lamar was having a good game and hit over 250 yards passing for the first time in 17 games and threw a beautiful touchdown to Devin DuVernay to get a 10-0 lead by half. Coming out of the locker room with renewed energy, the Lions were able to mount a comeback against the Ravens, who turned into the Justin Tucker show. The game almost slipped away from the Ravens between many dropped passes by Marquise Brown, an interception thrown by Lamar, and some bad penalties. But fortunately, when the Lions took the lead, they left just enough time on the clock. Tucker ended up making four field goals on the day, including the game-winner walk-off field goal from 66 yards, the longest in NFL history. Injuries to note, Rashad Bateman, Miles Boykin, and Dalen Hayes were all placed on IR. Deshaun Elliott, Ronnie Stanley, and Derek Wolf are all listed as questionable. Now, in order to beat the Broncos in Week 4, the Ravens are going to need to really bring the heat on Teddy Bridgewater. He has been playing really sound football, but needs to be put in the grass and hurried on his throws. Defensively, it will be important to minimize the damage done by the running backs, so the Broncos need to go through the air. And ultimately, if the Ravens can take an early lead and sustain it, it's going to really play to their advantage. Fantasy-wise, Sammy Watkins is a guy that's likely on the waiver wire that could be worth a stash as he is getting just as many targets as Hollywood Brown, and Lamar seems to be looking to step up in the pocket and throw more. Now moving on to the Week 3 breakdown for the Broncos. For the Broncos recap, let's just keep this one simple and realize that they were going up against the Jets. The defense deserves to get their flowers because they did pitch a shutout and sacked Zach Wilson five times and picked him off twice. Offensively, the running backs both scored a touchdown, but neither were exceptionally efficient, and Javante Williams fumbled once. Teddy Bridgewater did mostly what you would expect in terms of managing the game. Typically, you could say he is just not too high, not too low. This time, he pegged that by throwing zero touchdowns, but also threw zero picks, going an efficient 19 of 25. For 235 yards. I don't know if you can actually say that you are disappointed in a landslide victory, but there are definitely some red flags for the squad considering not a single pass catcher saw the end zone against the Jets. Injury-wise, know that Mike Boone is on IR, Jonas Griffith is out, so is KJ Hamler. He's going to be placed on IR. Graham Glasslow is questionable, and so is Dalton Reisner. Now looking ahead to week four, the Ravens obviously pose a multifaceted rushing attack, so the goal would be to clamp that down and force them to beat you through the air. Teddy B will likely need to be more than a game manager in this one. I can't envision a scenario where the Broncos remain undefeated after week four if he yet again has zero passing touchdowns. And the Ravens have been noticeably mistake-prone throughout their first three outings, so a big factor in this one should be winning the turnover battle. Fantasy-wise, I would recommend that if Tim Patrick isn't rostered in your league, he probably should be stashed until Jerry Judy is back in action and could pose as a okay flex start. The betting line is Baltimore plus one. I don't know how Baltimore isn't the favorite in this one. I'm taking Baltimore money line all day long. The next matchup is a very highly anticipated Sunday night football game between the Bucks and the Patriots, but first... A week three game breakdown for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay was due for a letdown game, and boy, did they have one against the Rams. Tom Brady couldn't keep the offense on the field to begin the game, and after getting behind, they abandoned the run early. If Tom Brady is your most productive rusher, you know it was a bad day at the office. Tom wasn't a disappointment in this one, racking up 432 yards, but all those yards mean nothing if they don't amount to many points. 
And clearly, all the injuries in the secondary are catching up with the Bucks as they got scored on four times through the air by Matt Stafford in the 34-24 loss that never even felt that close. Speaking of injuries, Antonio Brown and Kevin Minter are both on the COVID-19 list. Scotty Miller is listed as doubtful. Giovanni Bernard, Jason Pierre-Paul, Jaden Mickens, Rob Gronkowski, and Jamel Dean are all listed as questionable. Now, moving on to week four and what will be the most anticipated return of all time tom brady will need to bring his usual greatness as he faces his old coach and old team bill pelichick and the new england patriots one of the keys in this one is just to keep focused on the game at hand because there is likely a lot of emotions in his return to foxborough and he is certainly going to pass the all-time passing yardage record early in this game Defensively, the Bucks will need to keep making Mac Jones look like the rookie he is, and they will also just need to stop whatever rushing attack that they try to muster early, because after a few possessions, I can see this one becoming one-sided and the Patriots needing to throw themselves back into it. Fantasy-wise, why not just highlight Tom Brady? If you have him in your lineup, you're starting him, but it's just an important game and you know that he will deliver. Now turning my attention to the Patriots week three game breakdown, the Patriots hosted the Saints in week three, and it didn't take very long before the Saints had a lead that they would never relinquish. Mac Jones game managed his way through the first two games of his career, but finally showed some rookie mistakes that ended up on stat sheets. In this one, Jones threw just as many touchdowns to the Saints as he did to his own team, and the Patriots leaned on him way too heavily, having him throw 51 times. James White was expected to be a big part of the offensive game plan for the day, but got injured pretty early. Yet for some reason, that didn't turn into very many carries for the rookie Damian Harris, who looked good through the first few weeks on the eye test. Instead, he only had six attempts on the game for a measly 14 yards. Defensively, they held the Saints to only 252 total yards, but didn't do enough to keep the Saints from the end zone three times. Injury-wise... Updates on some guys on IR, Raekwon McMillan signed a one-year extension, and Nikhil Harry could likely be returning to practice. James White is doubtful. He's probably going to be put on IR, likely going to be out for the season. Juwan Bentley, Josh Uche, and Trent Brown are all listed as questionable. Now focusing on the Bucks in Week 4, Bill Belichick will need to scheme a defensive masterpiece because everyone will be looking at this game as Brady versus Belichick. Beating the Bucks calls for an elite defensive outing. This means the secondary needs to be special and hopefully picks Brady more than they get roasted by him. Offensively, the rushing attack cannot be abandoned. The pace of play needs to be slow and steady because Mac Jones can't go toe-to-toe with Tom in a shootout. Fantasy-wise, Kendrick Bourne proved that he could put up some numbers last week, so he could be worth a bench stash for a flex to cover in bye weeks in the future. As for the betting line... Tom Brady and the Bucks are only favored by seven, and I think that is a gift from the betting gods. I would take that in a heartbeat. Tampa Bay minus seven. The last game to cover is Monday Night Football Raiders at the Chargers, but first, a week three game breakdown for the Raiders. It was rough going for the Raiders to kick things off with the Dolphins, as on back-to-back drives, they gave up a pick six and then had a turnover on downs in their own territory, setting up the Dolphins with a quick 14 to nothing lead. Carr had to methodically scratch and claw his way back into this one, and he did with much success. Between Peyton Barber being the first Raiders running back to do anything all season, having over 100 yards on the ground, and Derek Carr nearly throwing for 400 through the air, the Raiders scored 25 unanswered to reclaim the lead. In the last seconds of the game, the Raiders' defense 
however, did allow Miami to tie and send the game to overtime. But that's okay because Derek Carr has been here before and has been clutch. And he came out on top for the second overtime win in just three games into the season, bringing the Raiders to 3-0 for the first time since 2002. Injuries to note, Richie Incognito was placed on IR before the game even started last week. And then Roderick Teamer, Dallin Leavitt, Josh Jacobs, Jalen Richard, and Trayvon Mooring were all listed as questionable. Now, when it comes to beating the Chargers in Week 4, that is no easy task. But Carr has shown that he can handle the pressure, and I think he's going to need to do it again on Monday Night Football. If Josh Jacobs returns, so does his productivity, because Peyton Barber has been a serviceable backup. Waller had a quiet game for his standard and will need a bigger impact against the Chargers. And defensively, they need to cause turnovers. The best way to beat Herbert is to take the ball away from him, eliminating his ability to run up the score and giving the Raiders some extra possessions. Fantasy-wise, I've been given a lot of streaming quarterbacks today, but I'm going to do it again. Derek Carr, he's going to be special once again and certainly will service you well as a fantasy starter. Now, turning my attention to the Chargers in a Week 3 game breakdown, the Chargers were able to get an early 14 lead on the Chiefs thanks in part to three turnovers. Mike Williams is thriving as the X receiver and has strung together three straight games to kick off the season with seven plus receptions, 80 plus yards, and one or more touchdowns this week coming down with two of them. Defensively, they did a great job going after the ball on tackles, forcing two fumbles. And they also did a great job stopping the pass, picking off Mahomes twice, and also keeping Hill's game nice and unproductive. Herbert was exceptional during the win, throwing four touchdowns and zero picks. The biggest thing that I would critique offensively would be Eckler just not commanding all of the rush attempts. He had 11 of the 17 attempts in the win, and the six attempts that he didn't carry went for a combined three yards. Injuries to note, Justin Herbert did hurt his hand during last week's game, but he should be fine. Chris Harris Jr. is also questionable, and so is Justin Jones. As for beating the Raiders in Monday Night Football... Both the Chargers and the Raiders keep most of their games close, so I see this one coming down to who controls the ball and the clock to close the game out. A way to make life easier would be limiting the passing attack of Carr and the Raiders as much as possible. They have a lackluster running game, so if they can keep the aerial attack in check, they will likely keep the Raiders in check. As for the Chargers' offense, it clicks on all cylinders when they make their focal points their focal points meaning they need to keep the ball in the hands of Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. And fantasy-wise, I've done it so many times this episode, why not do it again? Justin Herbert, he's going to be electric in this one, so I'll highlight him for fantasy. All of the stars are pass-catching threats, and Herbert is going to be the benefactor. As far as the betting line goes, like I said before, I think that this game is going to be close. Raiders are getting three and a half points here. That's a great number. I'll go ahead and take Las Vegas plus three and a half. All right, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Two Minute Drill podcast. If you made it this far into this episode, I truly believe that you and I are good friends. And if you have other good friends that like the same things that you do, you should share this podcast with them. They should listen to it. They can become my good friends. They should listen to it and tell their friends, and so on and so forth. Trying to build this audience up grassroots style, baby. All right, leave a review if you haven't done so already. Again, this is the Two Minute Drill Podcast. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I'm just messing around here at the end, but thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. Tune in 
to the Limitless Edition, where I bring on Vic McClanahan, Matt Shetler, and Tyler Cordell as we dive deeper into different opinions on the spreads of this upcoming week slate of games, as well as some fantasy options that are just more fun conversation pieces. And again, thank you. I'll see you on the next one. Peace.